It's been over a year now since In The Key Of Q launched. In our archive, you can find over 50 interviews of queer musicians from around the world and hear their music from rap Unaware of my proclivities to self-sabotage to country soul and rock. These episodes are available on the main feed. You can access them via the website at inthekeyofq.com or wherever you normally listen to podcasts. This is Dan here. Thanks for downloading this episode. Many thanks to our listeners who are financially supporting the podcast over at patreon.com slash inthekeyofq. You are genuinely helping to keep the series in production and more importantly, to give a space for queer voices to be heard. My guest this week is a marvellous Georgia Peach. He discusses his time starring in a reality TV show and how honest conversations got him into hot water. He chats about being outed and the legacy effect that it had on his education and newfound queer community. Share your thoughts about today's episode on social media using the hashtag QueerMusic or email me direct on podcast at inthekeyofq.com. And if you've a moment, please do subscribe, rate and review the show on your podcast provider. It really, really, really does help. All that's left to say is enjoy the episode. I think the baby's not understanding that the world is changing. And what I will say is that he has to have more of a, a higher standard of quality when it comes to dealing with people. Hello, I'm Dan Hall. When I grew up, I almost never heard pop songs where openly queer men sang about their truths, and it made me feel invisible. There were the occasional heroes like Jimmy Somerville, Mark Almond, and Andy Bell, but in the tsunami of 1980s heteronormative pop, I felt silenced. But these days, there are plenty of songs where I can hear openly queer men singing their truths, and this podcast is all about finding and sharing this music and speaking with the musicians who create it. Music helps us feel connected, feel heard and know that we are not alone on our queer journey. You're listening to In The Key Of Q. My guest this week is an actor, model and singer-songwriter. He is the star of the popular reality YouTube series G-Status and in 2020 he released the critically acclaimed EP Six Page Letter. And in 2021 he's released two follow-up singles, Favourite and Popped Off. It is with great pleasure that I welcome to In the Key of Q, Trammel. Trammel, hello. Hello, how are you? I look in those eyes, I can't deny You're my favorite, you're the one that I won't forget Only one I cannot quit Deep in those thighs, you got me drowning So growing up in Georgia, it was it was it, it's a lot of fun. It's kind of hot down here, so it's it's one of the warmer states. Um, there's a lot to do. There's a it's become like the new Hollywood, if you will. Um, I will say over the past few years, but growing up here has been very 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 nice. It's a diverse amount of people here. It's a large queer community, honestly. Um, and it, it sometimes it gets a bad rap for being a large queer community, but we we take care of each other down here for the most part. Why does it get a bad rap for that? Um, just the over-sexualization of it. Um, I suppose they say, oh, you're going to Atlanta, you're going to Georgia, huh? Uh-oh. That's what they, you know, it's kind of, it kind of gives that kind of vibe, but it's really, really nice down here. 
And of course, we had as our guest uh, Warren Dumar on a few months ago, who, although he lives in New York, he does describe himself as as a Georgia peach. Really? Yeah. <laughs> See? Told you we, we're in here. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was a lovely, he said, although I'm in the Big Apple, I'm still a Georgia peach. I am a Georgia peach as well, so shout out to him. <laughs> <laughs> I went to school um, for psychology. I did not finish. Um, My heart was elsewhere and things, you know, kind of went awry when, you know, my coming out story happened. So um, being um, outed, I suppose, is what really happened to me. So, you know, just having to maneuver through that and not being ready, but having to grow up fast and learn that, you know, even though you weren't ready, it was time. But coming out is a real rite of passage that we all have, and we all deserve to do it in our own way and in our own time. That must have been very challenging for you to have that snatched away. Yeah, it was very challenging. I had a plan. I had I had goals and aspirations. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's like whatever happened, it, everything happens for a reason. I do believe in that. And, you know, who's to say that I would have actually done it at the time that I accept for myself? My mother's boyfriend at the time, who was my sister's father, I guess you can call him my stepfather. Um, I guess he had some inklings as to my uh, my sexuality, my sexual, you know, preference. So he did some research. He had um, some other guy hit me up on um, on the Internet to try to, you know, figure out what was going on with me. So I guess from that interaction, he came to a conclusion and he told my mother and my mother approached me about it. And then, you know, I was just honest and told her what had happened. And so, yeah, she, you know, she didn't have the best reaction or the ideal reaction that you you would want from your mother to as far as support. But um, eventually, you know, I had to learn to you know grow up. I had to drop out of school. I had to move. Um, for a little while just to, you know, be able to live comfortably without, you know, the the constant, you know, berating of insults and things of that nature. That must have been an incredibly brave thing to do, though, for you to take yourself out of a space which you didn't feel safe in. And as a result of doing that, having to drop out of school, that's that's an incredible decision. It was it was it was very hard to do because I really had a lot of like dreams and plans for myself that, you know, I think about daily like I really chose my happiness over an, uh, stability, if that makes sense. Moving um, in my own way and doing things for myself finally, you know, at 19, it, it really is not that young, to be honest, like when you're supposed to be, you know, finding your way. It was just I had been sheltered so much that it was a it was a it was a culture shock for me and learning so much about the community so fast and having to maneuver through it was it was it was something new for me. Um, definitely. And it did teach me a lot. It taught me a lot about what I will accept and what I don't accept. Um, I didn't really have like the, I want to say the crazy, 
uh, experiences of the LGBTQ community that some people have, you know, with the partying too hard. And, you know, I did have a good time. I did have my certain group of friends, but I did see certain friends who were my age as well, you know, go down a dangerous path of using, you know, substances that was just not good for you and um, drinking very heavily. And, you know, I just always and just watching them. I knew that I didn't want to be that because always in the back of my mind, my mother and my my biological father, who also was very, very mean to me, um, was their words rang in my head of you're going to be like this and this is going to happen to you if you continue this life, if you continue doing this. So I made it my life's business to you know, negate those negative comments and to try to move in a better way to be successful. Sometimes this can be a little shady down here, if that makes any sense. Um, you try to, you know, be genuine with people and sometimes people have ulterior motives. And I've, I've come across that quite a bit with people, but I just really feel like it's it's people trying to find their way. And I see the LGBTQ community like trying to find their way and they're trying to maneuver in a way that helps them survive. So, And I think you've got a fantastic attitude there because it is easy to get cross with, with people who aren't necessarily always coming from a good space or to be very judgmental of people when we see them going down the wrong paths. But I think as, as queer people, we, we enter the world, we enter adulthood incredibly scarred often just from a million and one microaggressions Absolutely. or micro insults that we've heard as children. And is it any wonder that we have a disproportionate number of us who commit suicide, who take drugs, who drink? It's, yes. they, you know, nobody, nobody goes into their careers office at 16 and says, hey, I think I want to be an alcoholic. It's right. like people almost always have a good reason for the bad decisions that they make. Yeah, and I have seen a lot of people not who have who have grown up around, you know, you know, being 19 and growing up and seeing the same people regularly, because it is it's, it's, it's a huge state, but it's a small community, if that makes sense. It's very, you know, everybody, mm -hmm. if you see them, you know, so seeing certain people, you know, having not made it. And I mean, in the sense of passing on, you know, uh, for whatever reason, due to um, certain, you know, ailments that plague the community or, you know, just even suicide, because I have seen that too. You know, I, I, I found that for some, some people that I have in my life now, I have a few friends that I actually confide in quite often and they are, you know, amazing to talk to and they're amazing to, you know, just to unburden myself on and they give me the best advice. And it's only like maybe like two or three of them that I actually speak with on that level, but everybody else, you know, I just make sure that they know that I'm fine, that I have what I need and that I'm here for them if they need me. I look in those eyes, I can't deny You're my favorite, you're the one that I won't forget Only one I cannot quit You got me drowning You're my favorite You're the one that I won't forget The only one I cannot quit Trammell, rolling back to that time before you were outed in the 
years before that point, as a closeted young man, or boy even, how did you survive? Well, honestly, I was only maybe active in the LGBT community maybe like a year before I started and like when I was 18 and just being active in my, you know, in my truth. Um, and then a year later, of course, I was outed. But um, before then, I just really kept to myself. I was a really shy kid, as I, as I stated before. I I actually fancied myself to be um, asexual, I would say. Um, I was more so just, I think, afraid of what it could mean to be a LGBTQ member, you know, I was afraid of what that would look like for me, for my life, for my family and stuff like that. So I really just kept it to myself. And I just really decided that I was never going to have anyone. I was just never going to be that person to, you know, get married and have all of these things. And you talk about being fearful of what that identity would look like for you and for your family. What what would it have looked like? What were you imagining? Well, you know, growing up where I grew up, it was it was not looked upon as a, of course, a good thing. It was looked upon as, you know, a bad, bad thing. And I was told that as a little child, you know, don't do this and don't do that. Don't act this way and don't do this. So it was always so negative and And I didn't want to bring shame. And that's the one thing that is always like when I was younger would bother me, like the fact of I could bring shame to my mother or, you know, in that way. Ty McKinney talks about that in our episode with him, where his father would say to him a lot, don't talk with your hands. And uh, he wrote a beautiful song about that. And, and just this sense of him of trying to suppress it. But then, of course, you get passionate about something and, and your hands start flapping. Right. <laughs> like a big old Mary. Like a big old Mary. <laughs> I talk with my hands. I've always talked with my hands. You know, I was always very, um, I, you know, I, I think when I was younger, I was I was more flamboyant, you know, as a what, what you would say for a young man. But, you know, that even looking at that, they were just so like, don't do this and don't do that. Don't hang out with the girls. You hang out with the boys. I'm like, well, I have all girl cousins. Y'all, y'all don't have anybody for me to hang out with. What are you saying? You know, I think children should be free to decide or, you know, just live their lives without that stigma because you never really know what a child is going to be like. Honestly, just from them growing up, you never know what a child is going to be like. They can be a flamboyant child, but then grow up to be like a man with a million wives, I suppose. I don't know. <laughs> what would you say to that little boy now then? If you could go, if you could sort of get in a time machine and go back and, and talk to that shy kid, what do you think you'd say to him? What bit of advice would you give him? Um, I would tell him, I would tell me, and I've thought about this a lot, honestly, I would tell me to don't be afraid, just be yourself, be yourself and follow every dream that you want to follow. Don't wait. Don't let anyone stop you because I have that in me now. Um, and I would want that for my younger self because the younger me was so insecure, so afraid that he never really lived his life until he was living his life. And he wasn't, he was very apologetic about everything that he did. And I don't want, I don't ever want anyone else to feel like how I felt. And do you think you've carried any 
legacy of your fear of shame with you into adulthood or have you managed to cast that aside? I think the only fear and shame that I have now is the fact that I was feared, fearful and shameful. That's the only shame that I have is that I was so shameful when I was younger. I think it's time to let these niggas know what it is. Money up, talking shit, yeah, I'm about my biz. Niggas out of line, trying they love press. Cause I don't give a fuck. Been a boss, yeah, yeah, I'm bossed up. Slick talk, I heard a broke nigga said something. Yeah, I'm on my grind, yeah, I'm grinding out. Doing lies, bitches always trying to chase clout. Let me slow it down, dance for a millisecond. Don't ever add shit in my direction. I'm chasing charts, you chasing fades, man. Never pulled up, always hiding out. Sneak this and playing pussy slug, motor mouth. You played the game, tried to give up. After last time, only wanna post up. Wanna post up, only wanna post up. Five days missing after that zap though. Say my name, yeah, nigga, I'm the fucking goat. Didn't get a spot till I quit the show. I'm a boss, man. So, what was the moment then, Trammell, that you crossed that line where you stopped just listening to music and you thought, Actually, I'm going to start making it. Actually, it was two years ago um, when I created my first song. Uh, it was called Single. And I had been single for nine years. And I just felt like, honestly, people made being single such a negative thing. And even I would joke about it in a negative way. Like, oh, I just have to have someone. I just have to have somebody beside me when you really don't. Like, I feel like in those times when you're single, you learn the most about yourself. You love yourself the most. And it's a song for everyone to enjoy. Just enjoy yourself. Enjoy being single. So I had something that I wanted to say. And I felt like the show that I was on was not giving me the opportunity to express myself. So I decided to do music. And you make mention there of the show. Can you tell us a bit about it? I would say that um, it was a start. It was it was a pilot show in the beginning. The first year that we did it was 2018. Um, the first season is um, up and it was it was an experience. It was my first time doing anything in the industry, acting or reality TV based. So the premise of the show was to be. Um, it was supposed to showcase LGBTQ people in a positive light of chasing their dreams and to and, and making their dreams come true as far as the industry is concerned. So you had singers, you had rappers, you had um, fashion designers, you had um, stylists, you had, yeah, I think we had a stripper, <laughs> you know. Um, of course, it's every gay man's dream. Absolutely. To be a stripper. <laughs> absolutely. It was my dream when I was 27, but I was like, yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> I don't, I think I'm too shy for that. We were supposed to just be navigating and working with each other and making friendships and building up the community. But the first season of it, it wasn't it was it was it was it was an experience. I will say that. And you just see the the nastiness and people. Honestly, it, it went the opposite way. It's supposed to be positive, but then it turned into a negative <laughs> tear each other down type of situation. You know, one of the criticisms that I've been hearing about RuPaul's Drag Race uh, I don't really watch the show and I don't watch it because I have a problem with all the bitchiness in it. And people say to me, oh no, but that's sharpening of claws to teach people how to survive in the real world. But I was talking to J.R. Price about it, who um, one of our earlier episodes, and he doesn't like it for the same reason, this sense of just tearing each other down. Why do you think as a as a community we so often do that? They find it their power there. 
you know, being nasty towards someone and getting them, well, I call it getting them together. It makes you feel good to know that you can read or tear somebody down and make them feel small because it makes you feel bigger because you got them better than they could ever get you. So I feel like a lot of people dwell, you know, live in that space as far as like some of the community members. But of course, it's a completely artificial empowerment, isn't it? And the, the quote I love from J.R. Price is he said in the episode, if you can't be witty or funny without tearing someone down, then you're not funny. Absolutely. You know, it's so with me, I was never one of those people who'd like to tear people down. Even though I was on the show, people claimed that I was so snooty and so uppity and so bougie and so mean to everyone because honestly I never really tore anybody down but I did I was very truthful I did not hide you know feelings about people you know that and that and that's not tearing somebody down that's just telling somebody to own their truth one of the other cast members he was a um he did adult movies so we had a conversation and he was just like, he wanted people to forget that he had ever did them. He was trying to change his life and he was trying to move forward. And I just simply told him, I said, well, I think you should really own your truth as far as you doing them. And I try to hide it because if you hide it, people will attack you about it. You know, that's the conversation that we had. I'm like, it happened. It's, it's there. It's going to forever be there. <laughs> people can pull you up. So you know, just live in that. And people thought that I was just so mean and I was downing him and I was just not giving him any hope. And I was just like, I thought I was empowering him, but apparently I was wrong. And also, frankly, if I made adult movies and I wanted the world to forget that I'd made them, I wouldn't go on a reality TV show and say, I want the world to forget I made adult movies. Absolutely. My point exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's, there's surely more efficient ways of, of getting people to forget something. Right, just fall off the planet. <laughs> so you've left the show and you're now making music. And, and what made you decide to move into the genre that you do? Um, like I said before, I just like to express myself. And I feel I fancy myself to be a storyteller, honestly. So moving into my next phase of my life as far as, you know, music. I just really wanted to make music that could touch people in general and just to make people think about love again and thinking about, you know, finding that special someone or, you know, just a good feeling, you know, of empowerment or something like that. Something that I was working on within myself that I wanted to share with other people. Um, I really started writing music during the pandemic because, you know, what else was I going to do? There was no going outside. There was no, you know, COVID was everywhere. Studio time was very, very affordable, honestly. So I just made use of that time and I decided to create a project for everybody to listen to.
so what are your thoughts around some of the comments around HIV AIDS and, and around gay people that the baby has made this year? Um, so honestly, how I felt about it, um, it was kind of one of those things of you got to. I was not shocked. Let me just say that. Let me start off there. I was not shocked. I was not completely shocked by what he said. It was not one of those things that affected me in the in the, in the way of. I guess the way it should. And honestly, that's because I've heard stuff like that before. It's just um, it, it was an older time. I will say this. What he said was um, in the c- current climate that we're in, the chem- like the culture that is growing and the the no tolerance for, you know, hatred and hate speech and stuff like that. He was wrong for what he said, period. Like at the end of the day, it was all wrong. It was wrong back then. And it's even more wrong now. It's just that now people are speaking up and you can't say certain things and get away with it because that is not acceptable anymore. It's not acceptable because of where we are. And they like to try to call it the gay agenda or they're they're trying to say freedom of speech. Well, you have freedom of speech, but it's what you do with it that really matters. Um, What I heard was not so much. Honestly, for me, I didn't really hear as much homophobic comments as I heard um, comments that gave misinformation about HIV and AIDS. Um, that really was bothersome for me because you're putting out a narrative that is not true. You're making something that is manageable. You're making something that is um, completely if you if you go and, you know, take care of yourself, you can live a long time with it. And you're telling people they will die in two to three weeks. Um, that's not that's not correct. That's not right. That's ignorance. And um, that that really more so shocked me than anything else that he would have that type of misinformation that he would share and he would choose to share in that moment in the middle of your concert. What was that about? Like, if you're a supposedly heterosexual performer on the stage in the middle of your gig, are you thinking about sucking cock in a a car park? That was just weird to me. It was just honestly just weird that he would go to that place. But his response afterwards, as far as what he meant by fellatio in the parking lot was more so troubling because he did a response to it. And that was more troubling than when he actually said it. I would rather him have just left it at that and not explained what he really meant. He was saying that um, people who do that are dirty. They're just, they're, they're, they're not classy. They're, you know, they're this, they're that. Now you're, now you're, you're shaming people's sexual acts or whatever the case may be like, you're just doing too much. It's just a lot. It's just too much. Hopefully it has a lot less impact because we have Lil Nas X as a bit of a hero at the moment, just making these amazing sex positive videos and just so good. Yeah, he is my hero. Like I really, really am so happy for him and his trajectory and the things that he's enduring and the way that he's handling himself. Um, Somebody told me once we had a discussion about him as far as like, do you think he'll be famous after all the shock value is gone? I think, honestly, I'm hoping for the day when he can still be successful and and the things that he does does not shock people to the point where they're just so outraged and upset. Yeah. I look forward to that day. But I think he will be successful because I think he has created an incredible 
legacy of respect amongst the queer community. And however much people don't like to think that we are powerful and we have money, we have both of those things. And Absolutely. why should we listen to uh, a straight artist and translate when we've got someone of little Nas X's quality and we don't have to do the translating? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like he's not understanding. I think the baby's not understanding that the world is changing and you make he, I, I'm not going to take away from him that he is a, a very dynamic rapper. Um, but what I will say is that he has to have more of a, a higher standard of quality when it comes to dealing with people. You need to know who your fans are. You need to know who's really supporting you. And you need to make sure that you're not offending who actually supports you. Because for every gay person that you've offended or every person with HIV that you've offended, they have family members too, you know, and they might not be affected by HIV or they might not be a part of the LGBTQ, the LGBTQ community, but they are allies in some way, shape or form, and they won't support you either. So if you lose a, a gay fan, you might lose their best friend who's like, oh, no, you can't talk about my best friend like that. Or my mom suffers from HIV and you're talking about my mother. So it's like, be careful because you never know who your fans really, really are. Nine years out here on my own. I've been out here hustling, trying to get this dough. I've been staying focused, always in control. And my friends tell me I'm getting way too old. Ain't gonna lie, so many try to get at me. But I'ma try to take my time and be happy. I'm not interested in your conversations about your sexual cause, your clothes, how much you're making. I want someone who knows how to vibe. Who is cool, sexy, and swagged out deep inside. Someone who can recognize them worth the time. And can show me why I should make a mind. But until then, I'm just trying to have some fun. I'm trying to get to know someone, not trying to fall in love. But we should keep in touch because I'm single. Besides Little Nas X, what other queer artists are you listening to, Travel? Um, I do enjoy um, Frank Ocean. I rather enjoy him. Um, he's like the blueprint for me as far as my career and my life. Like he is everything to me. Um, I want to say that uh, Janelle Monet, she's pansexual. So it's kind of like I've always been attracted to her as a person, as an artist and her, her artistry and everything that she's about. Like it's just everything to me. And I also have a lot of friends who have a lot of great music who are part of the community. Um, K Star, he's my he's my best friend. He's an amazing rapper. He's actually pushing the envelope. He's got a song called Bunny Pussy that does major things. What's it called? Bunny Pussy. Yeah, I suggest y'all go check that out. Bunny Pussy. What does that mean? <laughs> um, you know how bu bunnies are fluffy. Yeah. Yeah. So he says he has fluffy pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I'm blushing. Right. You should see the video. <laughs> You'll probably turn beet red. <laughs> now, we have a new section uh, on the show, Trammel, where I say to the guests that I'm going to give them a two-minute platform where they can say whatever they want about whatever subject they want, whatever's on their minds, whatever's on their hearts, and I promise not to get out my editor's pen. Okay. So your two minutes will start whenever you start talking. Let's talk about 
normalizing treating people the right way um, and putting people in their place when they need to be put there and not doing it in a negative way. Um, So I'll start with normalizing treating people the right way. Now, what I find worrisome is that people are getting used for their for their talents, for their for their money and 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 really speaks to my heart with Britney Spears, honestly. Uh, I've always liked Britney Spears. I always thought she was a great artist and I always thought that she was, you know, amazing. But I have seen her deteriorate like over the years and it always bothered me because I knew that there was something going on. So they used her and I've seen that happen to so many different artists like in the industry, her to the maximum level, of course, but even with, you know, just these backdoor deals that they try to give these artists who are mainstream and just normalize treating people right. You know, giving them their just due, giving them their space, giving them them everything that they need to, you know, just be successful and stop trying to lock people in to, you know, drain them of their money. And that goes with indie artists as well. They treat us like crap. Like I've, it's so hard to get your music heard. It's so hard to get your, you know, your name out there because people are trying to use you and they try to charge you so much that you can't afford it. You can't afford it. Like we're independent artists. We're not mainstream and even the mainstream are being taken advantage of. So it's like just normalizing, treating people right. I feel like that will help. Um, And not using people. That was the last thing. So I see a lot of people just waiting around to use someone. Um, With my partner, he's on his way doing some great, great things. His name is Kid underscore Fro. That's K-I-I-D underscore Fro. Yeah, I want to follow him on Instagram. He's an amazing model and creative director, stylist. He does a lot of things. He's put on great shows as far as fashion. He has models up under him. He has a whole team of you know, people that deserve to be seen. And I just see a lot of people that have a problem with me personally who will try to get to me through him, which is weird. But what they're trying to do is they're trying to wait around for him to hit it big so they can be a part of his team or be a part of his, his, um, just be a part of his his trajectory upwards. And I just find that to be very, very strange. Um, people don't want to make it on their own anymore. They don't want to use the talents that they were given. They try to wait for somebody else to take them somewhere. I want to normalize not using people. And that's it. You can get a chance, but they don't need it. I'm your man because I'm single. Now, for people who are really falling in love with you, where can they find you online? Oh, you can follow me at I am underscore T-R-A-M-E-L. That's I am underscore T-R-A-M-E-L. And you can follow all my music under T-R-A-M-E-L. There are different, there are a bunch of trammels and trammels all over the place, but I'm the, I'm the most popular one. So you'll see me first. <laughs> and of course, we'll put those links to all your content in the show notes. Absolutely. Thank you. And as we're wrapping up the show now, uh, I want to go back to that that kid again. And at 15 years old, so this 15-year-old version of you, what do you think he would think about the person that you are now and the music that you're making? I think 
15 year old me would be looking at me like, I can't believe you actually did it. I can't believe you're actually out here doing the things because sometimes I can't even believe that I'm speaking to people like you, you know, or just even doing interviews about things like this because he never thought that he would be special in any way, shape or form. He thought that he was just going to be a regular, 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 schmegular guy. He was never going to find love. He was never going to have anybody love him. He was never going to be special at all. So he would be so happy for me. And he would be so excited to get to this place that he probably would have worked even harder to get here earlier. <laughs> and it turns out that he was special after all. Right. He was special, wasn't he? Absolutely. And to all the, all the people listening to this who think that they're not special, that's rubbish. Yeah, it's crap. Don't, don't believe that. You're special. Everybody's special. Everybody has their own God-given talent or just whatever they want to do. If you work hard enough, you can do anything you want to do. Now then... We've been listening to clips of your music all the way through this episode, but I think almost all artists have got one song that acts as a fantastic gateway into their messaging and into everything that they're about. What do you think your gateway song would be and why? My gateway song. I think my gateway song will probably be... Um, all on me, probably. Um, it just tells you a lot about who I am as far as what I what, how I how I maneuver through dating and, you know, relationships. It starts off, you know, um, I used to be a shy guy, but that's not who I really am. And it talks about all of those things and how sexual I can be and how how, you know, just being around me is a joy and a pleasure. So it talks about all those things. Just give me a chance and I'm here for you. So it's all on me. That's that's my gateway song. Sometimes I think I come off too shy. They think I'm such a good guy. But I can show you this is the real me. I can get freaky. I can turn you out, make you never want to leave. It's a shame how you wasn't taking me serious, but then you tapped out. Kept it like you ain't want me, but yeah, you hooked now. Up in that room, gave you this wood now. Got you shook now. If you ever get lonely, you can come and get with me. Cause I always aim to please. You can come and stay the night. Don't you wanna? You with a nigga like me, yeah. Come see about me when you're feeling lonely. Put your ass to sleep, yeah. Don't you wanna? We spend time You still gon' have to catch this ride That's what we gon' do You and me, that sex on repeat You were sleeping on me, now you sleeping with me It's a shame how you wasn't taking me serious But then you tapped out Kept it like you ain't want me, but yeah, you hooked now Took you up in that room, gave you this wood now Got you shook now Finally you get to see I got everything you need If you ever get lonely I can always get you right Don't you wanna You with a nigga like me, yeah Come see about me when you're feeling lonely Put your ass to sleep Everybody, many thanks for listening to this episode with Trammel. Remember to listen to him on the usual streaming platforms and you can find links to everything in the show notes. 
We have exclusive Key of Q content over at patreon.com slash in the key of Q. And there you can join other listeners by supporting the show's production costs for as little as five US dollars a month. Tell me what you thought about today's episode on social media using the hashtag queer music or email me direct on podcast at in the key of Q.com. And rate and review the show on your podcast provider. It really, really helps. Our theme tune is by Paul Lee Nidu at unstoppablemonsters.com. And thanks to Paul Smith, our PR guru and digital brand manager, Olivier Name. And of course, many thanks to Kajan Kantha and Murray Lang for their support in making this episode. The show is presented and produced as ever by me, Dan Hall, and made at Pup Media Consultancy. And a final big thank you to Trammell for being such a fantastic guest. Trammell, thank you very, very much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you. Everybody, I will see you next Tuesday. Have a fantastic week. <laughs>